Amen. This morning we began to look at this wonderful parable which Christ taught to his disciples upon the Mount Olivet. He used this parable of the wedding feast and the great celebration that it was to teach his disciples the importance of being ready for his second coming. We noted together the difference between the wise and the foolish virgins, both of whom speak to us of the visible church of Christ. The wise had made the right preparation. They not only had lamps in their hands, but they had oil in their vessels. That, of course, speaks to us of the infilling and the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Those that are saved, those that are prepared for the bridegroom's coming. But the bridegroom, we noted, tarried. And as the bridegroom tarried, we read together afresh this evening, verse number 5, that they all slumbered, they all slept. The wise who had the oil slept, the foolish who had nothing slept. The sad reality is, as we mentioned this morning, that is the state of the church today. Christians are sleeping when they should be warning. The ungodly are sleeping when they should be preparing. Well, what a sad predicament to be in. The days in which we live. That with all of the joy, the hope, the expectation that we have in Christ, all of the assurance, the promises that He gives in Scripture that He will return, that He is coming. The bridegroom wants His bride. He longs for His bride to be with Him. And yet, sadly, the church is sleeping. Oh, that we will be awakened, that we be alert, that we will be warning even the foolish amongst us of the predicament that they find themselves in. We noted, and we only got the first point covered this morning, the characters that were described, the wise and the foolish. I have only three more points for you, and if you think, well, we only got one this morning, you have another three to get through, it's going to be a long sit. Don't worry, we'll get there. But I want you to see, secondly, the cry that's delivered. The cry that's delivered. The verse 6, it tells us at midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Every single detail of this parable is noteworthy. That's one thing you can guarantee when the Lord spoke to his disciples or the Lord preached any of his sermons, there was no waffle. There was no padding. There was no filling at all. Every single word that the Lord has in this parable is noteworthy and desires our attention. Darkness is there. We read together, verse 6, at midnight, the hour is mentioned. The time of the day is mentioned. It's brought to our attention that there is darkness. There's darkness all around. We don't know when the ten gathered together to wait. We don't know when the ten gathered together and sat down. We don't know at what hour they started uh, to slumber and to sleep. But whenever they finally woke and whenever the cry finally went up, it was midnight and darkness was all around them. 
the wise who had the oil didn't realize the night sky coming in. They didn't realize their lamps were getting low. They didn't realize the predicament that they were now in. It was only when they were woken out of their slumber and their sleep at the cry. Now we read then that all ten of them began to realize that they needed to trim their lamps. They realized, they opened their eyes and they looked, and all around is darkness. And so verse 7 tells us all of them arose trimmed their lamps. Child of God, I wonder how much attention do you pay to what is going on in the world? I wonder, have you noted how dark our land has become? You don't have to go back 40, 50 years. You can if you want. You can go back 10. And you can see how dark our land has gone. You can see the depravity of man. You can see the fallacy of man. As man now is swelled up with pride and boastfulness. As man now follows after his own desires, no longer is there any adherence to the Word of God or to the things of God. No longer is there any adherence to any morals at all. Man does what man pleases. Man does that which is right in his own eyes. There's darkness all around us. The enemies come in like the flood. Second Timothy 3, the verse 1, it says, Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. The Lord in Matthew 24, the verse 12, he said, Iniquity shall abound. In other words, sin will be there. Sin will be throwing itself. Sin will be pushing itself into the faces, into the minds, into the hearts, into the eyes of everyone. There will be that desire just to throng and to flood mankind. Before the bridegroom comes, the world will be dark. The closer that we get to midnight hour, the darker it gets. But then the cry will be delivered, even as it is in verse 6, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. You know, in a sense, when I read that verse and I read of that cry, in a sense, I get that there's surprise. For some reason, it's unexpected. That which has been foretold, that which has been promised, suddenly whenever the bridegroom finally comes, there's surprises of what is coming. It's hard to understand that after all, that's the reason they all get dressed. That's the reason they all had lamps in their hands. That's the reason they all gathered to that one place together. They were waiting for the bridegroom to come, and yet when the bridegroom finally does come, They're surprised. No one's ready. No one's waiting. Catches them all unawares. 
Luke 21 to verse 34, it says, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that that day come upon you unawares. Many Christians today are so concerned about what's happening. What's happening in the personal life? What's happening in the family life? What's happening in the job front? What's happening with the prices? What's happening in the world? That you get so caught up just with the things of the everyday life. You get so focused upon meeting every bill and taking off every box and just getting everything sorted, passing one month after another, making sure you get to the end of the month. You just get so caught up with those things that the coming of Christ is far out of mind. There's a surprise. But then I also see in verse number 6 that there's delight. Because it begins with the word behold. In other words, the one that cries out has a desire that everyone else will see it. Behold simply means look, pay attention. And so the cry goes out, watch, look. Wake up, the bridegroom's coming. Go ye out to meet him. The long-awaited moment has finally come. The great uniting of groom and bride together. The great moment when the groom comes to the bride's house and takes her by the hand and just brings her away from her family and brings her on to himself and to his home, to his house, and brings her in. That moment, that very special unification of groom and bride is now there and that joy is there. Behold! You see that no one misses it? The cry goes out for all to hear and it wakens every one of them. All ten were asleep. All ten wake up. You cannot and you will not sleep through the coming of Christ. He doesn't come just to one country. He's not going to come secretly. The second coming of Christ will not be the Son of God slipping under the radar. When Christ returns, every eye is going to see Him. doesn't matter what part of the world. If you're sleeping, you'll be woken up. If you're working, your attention is going to be taken. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 it says, For the Lord himself shall descend, that's the bridegroom, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. There will be great exclamation and great celebration when Christ returns. All other activities are going to be set aside. All other interests are going to diminish. That which you hold precious in life, that's just going to fade. 
That which you love and you set your affection upon, that's just going to completely melt away. You'll never think about it again. You'll never have a desire for it again. All attention is going to be on the bridegroom. Every eye will see Christ. And when he returns as Lord, every single knee is going to bow. And every single tongue is going to confess. Even the atheist. Even the Muslim, the Mormon, the Hindu, the Sikh. Everyone's going to confess he's Lord. And only he. Tells us Revelation 1-7, Behold, he cometh with clouds. Every eye shall see him. Now I had a man tell me on one occasion, Do you know how the Lord's going to be seen by everyone in the world? Internet. Man invented the internet. Tell you the Lord doesn't need need any human device for him to be seen. John Blanchard he said, Many people will be surprised when Christ comes, but nobody will be mistaken. When Christ bolts out of heaven in the white steed, you'll know it's the Son of God. That night when the There was no doubt. It wasn't a case that someone thought, well, it might be one of his friends. It might be one of his accompaniments. It might be one of his supporters. No, no, no. The bridegroom cometh. When Christ returns, there won't be one but a doubt. It's the Son of God. Verse 7 tells us, Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil. Our lamps are gone out. The cry went out, The bridegroom cometh. All ten virgins awoke, the wise and the unwise. The first thing that I note is all ten of them arise and all ten begin to trim their lamps. Even at the midnight hour, the foolish still thought they were okay. Even as the bridegroom came, the foolish that they thought everything was fine. We've got a lamp. We're with the wise. In other words, we're with the saved. We should be okay, shouldn't we? So we'll lift our Bibles and we'll dust them off. And then very, very quickly it comes to them. We've no oil. The wise get up. Those that are saved, in other words, there's the, the evidence, even though... 
even though they hadn't acted properly. The wise of the oil, the grace of God's there in their lives. They made the proper preparation. There's the foolish, their lamps are out. They're in darkness. And for a moment they think the bridegroom is going to accept us. The bridegroom will be happy because we're here. The bridegroom's going to be happy because we're with the other wise ones. They have light, we don't have light, but the bridegroom will just welcome us all. You hear the liberal today and they'll tell you God's love and God accepts everyone. He'll accept me as I am. I can do what I want. God will accept me. Here were the foolish. They thought, oh, I have a lamp. Mine doesn't light up. I have no oil. The bridegroom will still invite me. The bridegroom will still bring me. How quickly that changes. You see, the wise then set about trimming their lamps. They poured the oil back in. Suddenly the light of their lamps shone brightly. They showed forth the great light and it shone all around. And then it hit the foolish. We're nothing like them. We're in trouble. They have everything. Corinthians 4 verse 6, it says, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness have shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, when Christ returns, His people are going to be caught up to meet Him. They're going to bring glory to Him. But not the foolish. In that moment, all changed for them. They realized their lamps had gone out. They realized we're not ready. We're not prepared. The foolish then, they turn, verse 8, and they say, give us of your oil. They don't simply say, give us oil. They say, give us of your oil. In other words, I want part of your salvation. I want part of what's yours. My friend, salvation can't be shared. What I mean by that is salvation is personal to one individual. If your father's saved, that doesn't mean you're saved. If your grandmother was saved, that doesn't mean you're saved. 
When Jesus Christ died on the cross, He didn't die for everyone. He died for His people. Chosen in God from all eternity. He died for them. And what that means is this. Salvation, therefore, is particular and personal to an individual. What I have in Christ, praise God, I can tell you about it. I can testify about it. But I can't take my salvation and give it to you. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he takes a sinner and he saves him, he saves him personally. You see, personally, you have a penalty upon your head. Personally, you have sinned and offended a holy God. Personally, God's wrath is towards you if you remain in your sin. But Jesus Christ died. I can testify He died for my sins. He removed God's wrath that was due to me. He justified me. He declared me righteous. He removed the penalty. He then brought me into His family. He brought me into union with Himself. There is a uniting of an individual with Christ. I can't give that to you. But I can tell you how you can have it. You see, you see that even in the words of the Apostle Paul when he wrote to Romans In Romans chapter 9, verse 3, he says, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren. In other words, he looked at the Jewish people, his kindred, his countrymen, and he said, I long to see you all saved. And he went so far as even to say, I wish I could be accursed. In other words, I wish that God would curse me, that then you could have my salvation, that I somehow could lift it from me and give it to you. But he says, I can't do that. Because salvation's personal. Salvation is not patriarchal or matriarchal. In other words, it's not father or mother. You can only be saved by God's grace upon you. And you experiencing it personally. You coming to the cross. You laying your sins. In other words, you surrendering. You just coming and handing yourself to the Lord and just leaving yourself completely in God's hands and saying, Lord, save me. Promises to do it personally. Promises to do it individually. Promises to do it completely. You get the sense of that with the words of the wise virgins. Because they're said, Give us off your oil, and the wise answered, verse 9, Not so. In other words, we can't do that. That's not selfishness. It's just the reality. We cannot give that to others. 
But then they simply just point and they say, that's where you go. In reality, that's what a preacher does every time in the pulpit. He simply points to the one that can save you, the one that can redeem you, the one that can take your sin. He points to Christ. I trust you can see the difference between the grace and the justice of God. See, when you come to Christ, he promises, Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Each individual that comes personally to the Lord Jesus, the Lord promises, I will never cast them out. That's grace. But if you refuse to come, then like the foolish virgins, you'll be shut out. That's justice. Verse 10 tells us that as those five foolish went off to buy, the bridegroom came. They that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. The shutting of the Those five foolish virgins had all the time to make the preparation. Hour after hour. But yet they slumbered and they slept until it was too late. Reminds me of Noah's day. Remember Noah built the ark? All of those years. Cutting down the trees and building everything and putting the pitch and the, t- and the tar and the sides. Noah preached and preached and preached. Judgment's coming. Then there came a day God said, Noah, come into the ark. Noah came in along with his wife, his three sons, their wives. God shut the door. And then the rain came. The rain fell. 
that water rose. Now I wonder how many came and banged that door. Noah, we believe you now. Noah, please let us in. Noah said, I didn't shut the door. You had your time. I begged you. I pleaded with you. I told you for year after year, day after day, I warned you of the coming of God's judgment. I told you to be ready. I told you to come in. And you laughed. Now it's too late. You look at verse 11. Afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. You can sense they're upset. You can sense their urgency. They repeat the word Lord twice. Lord, Lord. You see them banging, Lord, Lord, please. We were there all day, Lord. We were with your people. Lord, we, were, we, we had lamps. You know, it reminds me of the words of Christ in Matthew seven twenty two. He says, Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me. These five came to the door. The door was shut. They pleaded. Oh Lord, open the door. Lord, we have lamps. Lord, there's five in there that we sat with all day. Lord, we know some of your guests. Lord says, yes, but you didn't know me. And more importantly, I don't know you. See, the Lord, yes, the Lord knows all of his people. Unsaved, you might know Christians tonight. You might know those that love the Lord. But if you don't know the Lord, then the Lord doesn't know you. I said it this morning, I said again. You do not get into heaven by association. You do not get into heaven by association with the church. You do not get into heaven by association with Christians. You get into heaven by the Lord Jesus Christ. Acceptance by Him. Unsaved, look at the words of the Lord in verse 12. The bridegroom answered and he said, Verily. Verily simply means truly. In other words, without a doubt. 
assuredly. The Lord can say truly, I know you not. They're left outside. Those five foolish are outside. They're outcast. They're outlawed by the bridegroom. They're condemned to the darkness of the night. The door doesn't open again. The bridegroom has his bride. They're lost forever. One final thing I leave with you, verse 13. The command that's directed. The Lord says, watch. For you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. You need to be ready. You need to be prepared to meet your God. You need to have the oil of the Holy Spirit flowing within you. Enabling you to shine for Christ. Christian, you need to be awake. You need to be alert. You need to be awaiting the coming of the bridegroom. We know neither the day nor the hour, but you need to be watching. You need to be warning. You need to be witnessing for him. Unsaved. Don't sleep the sleep of death. If you're here tonight and you're unsaved, what you have is not enough. doesn't matter what that is. If you don't have Christ, if you don't have that personal union and relationship with Him, you have nothing. These virgins came. They said, Lord, Lord, He said, I never knew you. You know, I preached a sermon on one occasion about the people in hell. One of the most humbling verses in Scripture is when the Lord says they'll be wailing, gnashing of teeth. Do you know what the wailing is? Those that thought they had done enough. They'll open their eyes in hell in great torments. Say, why am I here? My priest promised me I'd get to heaven. Why am I here? I was baptized as a child. I went through the steps, confirmation, communion. I did it all. 
Why am I here? Very simple answer is this. The Lord says, I never knew you. Depart from me. My friend, tonight we are still waiting for the bridegroom to come. He still tarries. You're here tonight, maybe, and you think, well, I'm in the right place amongst the right people. That's all I need. Accordance with the word of God means you're numbered amongst the foolish. If you think association's enough. You need Christ. Or else when the bridegroom comes and he gathers his people unto himself and he goes into the home and he shuts the door. You'll be outcast forever. Oh my friend, get right with God. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Come tonight. Let's have a word of prayer as we close. Heavenly Father, we bow before Thee. We thank Thee for Thy presence. We thank Thee, O God, for Thy Word. Pray that Thou wilt speak through it. O God, open up the eyes of those that are blinded with sin. Show them their great need even in this moment. Oh, Father, we pray for salvation. We pray even as I did open up the heart of Lydia, that I would open up the heart of those that are still out of Christ, that I would draw them unto thyself. Speak on now, we pray thee. Take each to their homes in safety. Watch over us in the days to come. Bless each one, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.